Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting MarketFoolery, LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for, so you can hire the right person fast. Find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. Get $50 off your first job post at linkedin.com slash fool. It's Thursday, January 16th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I am joined in studio by Motley Fool analyst Emily Flippin. Emily, it is just you and me. How are you doing? It is. Thanks for having me on again. Doing all right. Well, always great to have you on. We're going to talk some big earnings from a big bank, and we're going to talk about a potential game changer for cannabis stocks. I'm actually going to find out from you is it a game changer? Or is it you know much ado about nothing or somewhere in between? But we begin with big trade news: the U.S.-China trade deal. Now, under the Phase One agreement that was signed on Wednesday, China will purchase an additional two hundred billion dollars of U.S. goods and services over the next two years. In exchange, the U.S. will reduce tariffs on one hundred and twenty billion in Chinese products. Now, Emily, this is an eighty-six page agreement. So there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot more going on here. But I think investors have gotten pretty good over the last couple of years of just shrugging off all the China US trade war news. So, what does this deal, what does this phase one agreement mean for investors? It's more of a sign of good faith on the part of China and the U.S. than really doing much for investors and for relieving tariffs. Uh, For the average American consumer, uh, you mentioned the stock market's been on fire. They're probably not even aware of the lengths that the trade war has come to and what this deal means for them. So, The New York Times put out an interesting article that kind of broke down the cost of the trade war for the average American household. And while you hear Hear big numbers like $200 billion of consumer goods. Ultimately, what that kind of trickles down to is depending on your income level, this trade war over the past year has cost the average American family between $340 to $970. So, despite the fact that the market's been on fire, the average American is spending a little bit more for a lot of those basic consumer goods this year than they were last year as a result of the trade deal. But for investors, you know, we mentioned the fact that the market's been great. There are still lots of strong impacts on these consumer goods companies as a result of the trade war that we're still seeing. But in large part, the market's been on fire because of tech companies that really don't see the day-to-day impacts of the trade war. I do think that looking forward, this might be a good thing for investors who are looking to get into Chinese companies. It could be a cyclical um, movement back into these Chinese companies that have largely been abandoned over the past two years. And Emily, you are our resident expert in China. You lived in China. You studied in China. You are a student of China. When you've seen this trade story play out over the last couple of years, what do you think we're missing? I think people miss the motivations behind China. We, for a large part, understand the U.S.'s motivation. We don't like counterfeit goods. We don't like intellectual property theft. We feel threatened by China's currency manipulation. Um, what have it during the market today? There are concerns from U.S. consumers about China. But you have to understand where China's position is when they come in and they negotiate things like trade deals. In my opinion, the single most important thing to remember about China is that they want to look good on an international stage. Trade wars do not make China look good. Also, 
things like the Hong Kong protests or reports of you know Uyghurs being forced into essentially concentration camps in Western China. These are all things that China does not want to talk about, does not want them on the front page of the paper, and does not want international organizations reprimanding them for. So they are motivated to reach a trade deal with the U.S. in large part because not it's just not just hurting their economy, although it is, it's hurting the U.S.'s too, like we said, uh, but because it makes them look bad. And um, as we wrap up this story, what are you watching going forward? I'm going to be watching to see when consumers start getting slightly more upset about the costs that are being pushed onto them. Like I said, that three. 370 to about $970. It's not something that the average consumer is really aware that they're paying. If trade does become the new normal, if we're not able to fix these trade wars and consumers are paying more and more for products that they've become accustomed to paying lower prices for, I think it'll be interesting to watch when the American consumer starts to have these issues and what they do. And let's move on to investment banks and some big profits from Morgan Stanley. Emily shares up around 7% at the time of our taping after Morgan Stanley reported better than expected earnings across the board. Um, there are three main businesses investment management, wealth management, and trading all doing better than expected. It is. It was a great quarter for Morgan Stanley. Their earnings per share was actually 30% higher than what was expected for the quarter, and expectations for the quarter were already pretty high. They saw 27% increase in revenue, but and like you said, all their divisions have been doing relatively well. It really came from their investment management division. And they associated it with what they called a large IPO in Asia. Uh, they didn't provide much more color than that. However, if I had to guess, I think that would be Alibaba's secondary listing on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, for which Morgan Stanley was an underwriter for. So they saw a near $700 million pop as associated with this investment management that they did on behalf of their clients. So, a large earnings increase, in part because of this one-off event, but um, otherwise still a good quarter for Morgan Stanley. Uh, they continue to thrive despite the fact that it's a low interest rate environment. You know, We see lots of stuff moving the markets in the financial industry, which has been largely supportive of their business. But that's a pretty good payoff, $700 million. I mean, it's not quite what it used to be. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, to me, that feels like a lot of money. It is. It is definitely a lot of money. But I will say, uh, other divisions, in particular their wealth management division, despite still growing, they've been really squeezed because of the low fee environment that we're entering. I think people are becoming increasingly skeptical of paying somebody to manage their assets for them, and the landscape now is so much more competitive for the price that you can charge to manage assets. So, internationally, it's fine, but here in the U.S., we're seeing that kind of get squeezed. And before we get to our final story, I want to say thanks to LinkedIn. Now, the new year is about growth and change. In fact, my New Year's resolution, Emily, is to get in shape. Did a little full fitness this morning, feeling good, and I'm going to get in shape. Well, if you're a business owner looking to grow your business and get your business in shape, LinkedIn can help you find the right hires that set you up for a strong year. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn. That's amazing, eight seconds. Oh, yeah, companies also rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Now, I'm not looking for a job. 
I've been at the Motley Fool for 21 years, love it here, but I was looking around on LinkedIn Jobs yesterday, and it is a great resource. You can filter by date posted, experience level, job type, company, location, it has it all. So find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. Get the first $50 off, just visit linkedin.com slash fool. That's linkedin.com slash fool to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. And Emily, let's close with some cannabis news. Now, a bipartisan group of lawmakers introduced a bill in the U.S. House of Representatives on Monday that would give the FDA flexibility to allow hemp-derived CBD oil to be sold as a dietary supplement. Now, the news lifted cannabis stocks like Charlotte's Web and other cannabis stocks as someone who has studied the cannabis industry, explain what this means and the implications for investors. Uh, it does have very strong implications for the CBD space in the U.S. That's largely because any company that is selling CBD products right now can really only do it legally by selling it as topicals. If you sell something that's CBD, hemp-based CBD, as a dietary supplement, you're technically violating uh, the FDA's guidelines there. And that goes back to the Federal Food and Drug and Cosmetic Act, the FDCA, which simply states that any uh, substance that has been studied for pharmaceutical uses can't be sold as a dietary supplement. This really tied the hands of CBD companies because GW Pharmaceuticals, not too long ago, was approved for the first CBD-derived drug, Epidiolex. Now, this helps people with rare forms of seizures. However, because there was a pharmaceutical use for CBD, the idea that other companies could come along and then sell CBD as a dietary supplement when it was already approved as a drug was a big issue that was preventing the FDA from making a decision about what we do with the so many companies, Charlotte's Web being one of them, that are essentially illegally selling dietary supplements right now. So it's important to remember that this bill is a big step. It does have bipartisan support, but it's only just been introduced in the House. If it is approved by the House, it will then move on to the Senate. We've seen lots of bills die in the Senate. Priorities right now are not so much on passing uh, smaller legislation such as this one. However, uh, Majority Leader Senate Mitch McConnell, he he does have a background. His state is largely a producer of hemp. So he has some interest there in potentially getting this through the Senate. So I think it does stand a decent chance of passing. I just don't know at what speed it will do such. If it does pass, then the FDA then has to come in and say, okay, we've studied this product. We think it's okay for consumers to consume it. And then you can sell it as a dietary supplement to keep a very long story, which is already kind of long, short. Essentially, it's it's a good first step, but it's only a first step, and it will take a long time to get there if it does pass. Okay, so my summary, and tell me if this is right. I'm going to give you a three sentence summary here. Okay, opens up new market, good for business, good for investors. I'll add, not yet. Not yet. It's not Dang. there yet. I was so close. Okay, time for our desert island question. This one's going to be a little tricky because of the U.S. China trade deal. So I'm first going to ask you. Given the the partial trade agreement, is there a particular stock, a Chinese stock that you think stands to benefit, you know, disproportionately relative to other stocks? Uh, I actually think the entire industry in China has been largely moved out of. So, 
e-commerce companies, for instance, um, one of my favorite companies, Baozun to Shopify of China, okay. I mean, has a decent amount of trade war exposure, and, and that's largely hurt the company. But even pure play Chinese companies, so Chinese companies that don't have exposure to the trade war, uh, companies focus on live streaming, for instance, that have no exposure to the U.S. market have still been hit. So I think the entire the entire industry there in China, or China division there of China, has been kind of ignored by investors. Okay, so I'm going to go with Baozun. Is okay, that, is that, that, is that correct? Okay, so you're on a desert island for the next five years, and you can only own one of these three stocks. We've got Baozun, Morgan Stanley, or let's say Charlotte's Web. I would definitely pick Baozun. That might be surprising for people because I do follow the cannabis industry, but I think the huge pop we've seen today, while it's great and I like the legislation that's being moved on behalf of, of the House for cannabis, I think it does take a longer time to get there. I think there's a lot of details that need to be worked out, and the devil's always in the details, right? Versus Chinese companies, these are businesses that have been around for a while, they're profitable for the most part, and it's largely just the fact that investors have been too scared to invest in it, unlike cannabis for uh, whatever reason. Well, as always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Emily Flippin, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Now, the stock market is closed on Monday, so we will see you on Tuesday. Thanks for listening.